Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Grant Botma about motivating employees with affirmation, freedom, and a unified purpose. Grant Botma, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Happy to be here. Uh, it's really a pleasure to have the chance to talk with you, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to meet and discuss issues surrounding employee motivation, positive organizational culture, uh, those sorts of things. Uh, before we jump into the discussion, though, I, I just want to briefly introduce you to uh, my listeners. Grant is the author of the Amazon best-selling book, The Problem Isn't Their Paycheck. In this book, Grant teaches business owners, leaders, and managers how to attract top talent and build a thriving company culture. Um, and for the past decade, uh, stewardship has been providing home loans, insurance, and investment advice with wisdom and love. They're nationally ranked top producers uh, and have won awards like the top 1% Pinnacle Producer Broker of the Year. Uh, and recently their team of 20 plus one and Inc 5,000 fastest growing company in America award, uh, which is an incredible achievement. Um, and so both personally and professionally, you know, uh, with, um, with stewardship, I, it looks like you're doing some amazing things, Grant. Um, so welcome again. And is there anything else you'd like to add by way of introduction before we launch into the discussion? Oh yeah. Thank you so much for, uh, that introduction. It's humbling and it's an honor. Um, I think the, the, the thing I'd really like to add is any success that we've had as a result of, of the team. Um, I couldn't do any of that. I couldn't grow our profits and our financials to the level on my own. It took um, having an awesome group of people uh, that are self-directed, that I trust, and that are on mission uh, to, to pursue this and, and uh, earn some of these accolades. So it's not me, it's them. And I'm just grateful to be a part of it. I, I love the way you frame that. And it says a lot about you as a leader that you do frame it that way, um, that you, you give credit where credit's due and that you point back to your team. Um, and you, you said, you know, how they're self-directed. I love that. And particularly in this time of remote work, I think it's extra important that we foster a team atmosphere where people can be self-directed and they can expect um, that of themselves and their team and that leaders can empower them and give them a chance to do that effectively. Um, I, I just think that's so vital and important in motivating and, and having a positive culture. So, uh, I mean, that alone is, is a great example that you're setting uh, for the listeners. And I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, self-directed is kind of one of those things um, that we all want as a, as a manager or leader or business owner. And it's, it's simple to try and get your 
team to do it, but it's not easy. You know, um, it's simple because what it takes is trust, but man, is it hard to fully trust people, especially those business owners and leaders that are, have experienced success, right? Because most of the time they've experienced that success because they know how to grab the bull by the horns and make things happen. They themselves are really great high performers. Uh, they're probably above average performers and, and um, not really sure that, that they trust their business, their work, their files, their clients, their whatever um, with other people. So sometimes it's hard to let go of that. Man, it's a tough thing to do. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, typical organizational leaders, as they go up the, the ladder, you know, they, they get promoted because of their expertise, because of their success in their past roles. Um, they're often assertive and they're, you know, they're often, um, you, you use the term, you know, take the bulls by the, the bull by the horns. I think that's very apt. Now, certainly not all leaders are that way, um, but that, I think that's the tendency for the type of people who tend to, to advance up the ladder. Um, and there's a lot of positives that go along with those characteristics and attributes. Uh, but sometimes some of those characteristics can potentially be hindrances um, to effective leadership as they move up and, and mm -hmm. find themselves in increasing roles of influence. And so finding opportunities, you know, finding ways to keep, to check our ego at the door, keep ourselves humble uh, mm -hmm. and continue to rely on others around us rather than feeling like we are the answer to every problem is super important. Um, not necessarily always easy um, to, to help leaders think that way, but, but uh, a super important endeavor. Nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that was a turning point for me. I, I struggled with it. Um, there was a time that I was in my business and, um, didn't necessarily have that team. I worked really, really, really hard to try and build a reputation, build a brand and market and get business in. And then what do you know? It worked, right? And uh, I wasn't prepared and didn't necessarily have the team. And I was sleeping at the office trying to figure it out on my own. And um, man, it was rough. It was really rough. It was, it was a tough time. And one of the hardest things I ever did in my life was, was to really let go and start trusting and become the leader that I needed to be to have a really great culture. And, and I'm so glad I did because it changed everything. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like I, I have a similar story. You know, I, I definitely can remember distinctly that period of time where I, I kind of had the aha moment and I started tr to transition and shift in, in the way I, I understood and framed my interactions with other people and the teams I worked with and that kind of transformational mindset shift ha has um, been very important uh, and definitely has driven a lot of the success I've seen in my personal and professional life. Um, mm. So I'm glad, I'm glad that happened. You know, I, I think I would have been successful had I not had that shift, but I, I many of the opportunities that have come would not have come uh, had I not uh, simply because I, I just worked differently um, back then. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I want to talk a bit about your book and about this idea of money as a motivator. Uh, so most people think that people are most motivated by money. Um, the, the ethos of your book debunks that myth. How, how do you find people to really be motivated? Yeah, so I think money is important. Um, it is motivating. Uh, but um, not only have I experienced personally in the people that I lead, but uh, there are study after study after study and years, hundreds of years of just people and the way that we're wired 
that prove we're motivated in uh, by three other things more than money. And uh, those three things are autonomy. We all want freedom on some level. We, we desire that uh, on many levels. Uh, we want um, affirmation. We want to become a master of a craft. We want to be good at something. Uh, and we want to know if we're doing things right. Uh, and then the most motivating thing is purpose. And uh, the thing that I try to frame in my book is there's a right way and a wrong way to create a purpose and a mission. And there's a way that you can have a purpose that I call a unified purpose that um, invites other people that are a part of your team and a part of your company culture to be on this purpose together. And uh, man, when, when people are a part of a community pursuing a purpose together, it's extremely powerful and very motivating. Uh, so those are the three things that, that I, I have experienced and, and have seen in other various studies uh, to be more motivating than money. Well, we're about uh, to the end of our time together, which is too bad because this has been a lot of fun and, and we, we could go on and on uh, about uh, these topics. Um, but before we close, um, I just wanted to give you a chance to, to let the listeners know how they can get in connection with you, how they can learn more about what you're doing, what your company's doing. Um, would you mind just sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, one of the best ways to connect with me is on Instagram. My handle is at Grant Botma. And uh, I'm showing up there every day with a post in my feed every day and even Instagram stories almost every day. And um, I share a lot about uh, finances, but I but, uh, share a ton about company culture and, and employees and hiring and firing and goal setting and accountability and all that. Um, so you can feel free to reach out to me there. I'm very active in my direct messages too. So uh, Instagram's a great way uh, to connect with me and then to learn more about some of the stuff that I've done in my company and how I did it. Uh, you can check out the book. Uh, you can search my name, Grant Botma, on Amazon or search The Problem Isn't Their Paycheck. It's on uh, softcover, hardcover, ebook, Audible, all the things. Uh, so, yeah, you can, you can check it out there. Wonderful. Well, I encourage uh, my listeners to do that, to reach out to you and get connected. Um, this has really been a great discussion. And uh, I'd love to have you back at some point so we could dive even deeper into some of these topics. Uh, thank you so much for being here and I hope you have a wonderful week. Yeah, John, it's been a pleasure and I'd be happy to come back. Thanks for being an awesome host. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. And so you mentioned, you know, these other three factors and money is on the list. It's still important. Um, so understanding that it does matter, but there are also these other intrinsic elements that are, are also vital. How do you deal with the reality of money? Um, you know, it's a, it's a necessary evil, some might say. Um, mm -hmm. how, how do you deal with the reality of money in the workplace culture? Yeah, what I try to do is um, those people that are motivated by money, and maybe there's some people listening now that think, no, Grant, you don't understand. I've had people on my team that have left for money. I try to think, well, what, what do they want that money for? Um, maybe they want uh, a nice car and a big house. They want people to think that they're quote unquote successful. So what they really want is affirmation, right? That's not the money they're after. Maybe they want uh, to go on more vacations or to retire early. Um, well, what they really want is freedom, autonomy. That's what the, the money is providing. Or maybe they want to, to donate to a philanthropic endeavor or, or give more or provide for their family. So what they really are after is a purpose. 
So again, it's the money pointing then to those three things that are more motivating. So it's trying to understand, well, okay, why does that individual want money? And if you don't believe you can point to those things in an individual or a team member or somebody you're considering and hiring, I would highly recommend not hiring that particular person. Um, because it could be that they're in an unhealthy mental state that um, is extremely selfish. And selfishness is one of the most poisoning things uh, to a team or to a company culture. And um, uh, that's why understanding that money is important is a big deal. But what does that money point to and trying to, to discover or, or uh, what those things are in that individual's uh, mind is a, is, is a big deal. Yeah, let's talk just a little bit more about selfishness. Um, you know, different parts of the world view this a little differently, right? In the U.S., we are a very individualistic society, individualistic culture. There's, a, you know, kind of a pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. And along with that, there's positives to that, but there's also just an, kind of an inherent um uh, selfishness or, or orient, you know, at least an orientation towards ourself that maybe is higher in the U S than in other parts of the world. Um, and, and so we, it seems like society as a whole really values that, um, you know, the, the, the best way to, to get ahead is by looking out for yourself and, and then everyone that kind of lifts the ship, right? Um, how, how would you respond to someone who says, well, I want people who are self-interested and who are selfish in the workplace? Yeah, I think that um, there's always a selfishness when it comes to survival, right? But in our society in the United States, there really isn't a ton of people who they've got to go to work just to survive. They're going to work to try and thrive. Um, they're, they're not going to work just because they absolutely need to get money that day. Otherwise, they're not going to get a meal or they're not going to have a roof over their head. There isn't a ton of those folks in the United States. Now, for those folks, it's, it's going to be a little bit different. But for most workplace cultures, um, most employees have options. And most employees have the ability to decide what level of engagement they're going to give at the workplace that day. I mean, Deloitte recently did a study that proved um, 89%, like 89 or 88.8% or something like that, of employees are not performing their best at work. They're consciously even not giving their best at work. Now, the 12% the that did, they were on mission with the company. They had a purpose. They believed that what they did mattered, that what they did was going to make the world a better place. So uh, if I would argue that instead of trying to find people that have a self-interest, you want to find people that are the complete opposite, that genuinely believe that the work that they're going to be able to do is going to make a real impact on real people that day. And I think that's one of our biggest jobs as managers and leaders to connect the tasks that uh, employees are doing to an impact that's being made on a real person uh, somewhere down the supply chain. And the more that we can do that, the more that we can give purpose and meaning to their work, the better off things are going to be. There's even studies that have come out that said uh, people are willing to take up to a 30% pay cut 
as long as they know the work that they're going to do matters. Um, that purpose is super motivating. And if you can unify people around a purpose because the purpose is selfless, uh, that's, that is huge. That's a, that's a win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a driving purpose uh, matters. People want to feel like the work that they do, the time that they spend uh, every day at work makes a difference in the world, a positive difference. And, and so one of the best motivators is to connect um, to purpose. And I think particularly for millennials and Gen Z workers, um, there's a lot of evidence that they have an even heightened sense that they want to do stuff that has significant value for, for the world. Uh, and so that, that if we recognize that as leaders, we can build into our organizational cultures and workspaces those types of opportunities to at least openly communicate those connections um, of purpose to work and meaningful work, uh, and then sometimes drive new, interesting, and innovative initiatives uh, that tap into that as well. Um, let's talk a little bit more. I know you have some some great examples of some of the things you've done um, to to help with affirmation, freedom, and unified purpose with your team. Um, would you mind just sharing a couple examples of, of what you've done successfully um, to reinforce those elements? Yeah, so one of the things that um, we experienced recently with uh, this whole stay home period and the coronavirus, um, you know, we're a finance company. We, we do home loans, insurance, and investments. Um, and you would think that during a recession, we would be struggling. Um, but really, over the last two months, we've done more business than, than ever. Um, I mean, I've, we've been open for over a decade and we've never done more business than we've done over the last two months. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, the team of people that I have, I am so fortunate to have these amazing high producers that are on mission and they did it all from home. Now, I think there's a couple of reasons why they, they did well from home beyond being amazing human beings. Um, we have a culture of freedom where Literally, people can come and go as they please and they can work from wherever they want. I do anything and everything I can to empower them to do that by providing the technology and the workspaces and um, the things that, that they need to be able to work from home or a coffee shop or the beach. It, it doesn't matter. Um, so as a result of that, when it said, hey, everybody's got to stay home, we didn't have to make that big of a shift because people were working from home anyways if they ever wanted to. But what the coronavirus did was add some uncertainty uh, to our society, to our teams. Um, it added some um, extra stress, especially with kids uh, not being able to go to school. So now working from home had a different element to it. So the first thing that I did was um, intentionally sought out each of my team members and tried to understand what their needs were. I, I tried to be a very good listener. I kind of have this statement where, you know, leaders, yes, you need to be a visionary, but I think first you need to be a listener. You need to be a very, very good listener. And I tr tried to ask all kinds of questions to figure out what they were going through, what their specific needs were. So we uh, compiled a list of all these things and put together some care packages. And sure, the care packages had some general things like food and the toilet paper and all that because it was being run out of at the stores. Uh, but we put specific things in each care package to prove that we listened to them, we cared for them, and, and, and we loved them. Um, 
And then the next week, what we did is provided something for their kids to do. So if somebody had younger kids, um, I rented a bounce house to get put in their backyard for a week. Uh, so then now the kids had something to do so that the parents could try to figure out, okay, what's life going to look like as I'm working from home and I have kids here, right? I try to empower um, them by, by giving the kids something to do. And then the next week, I, I, I assumed that, man, there'd be a lot of stress and things going on. And maybe some of them were even getting sick of their kids, but they still love them. They still wanted to spend time with them. So what could I do that was stress-free? Um, well, I, I bought everybody a, a projector so that they could, and we live here in Arizona, so, so weather was great at the time. And they could project uh, and stream movies, you know, in their backyard and just sit and relax and be with each other. Um, and, and that was another thing that we did. And then it started getting really hot. So then, you know, I bought like slip and slides and water toys and different things for the, for, for the families and the kids. But one of the more important things we did is we tried to evaluate what we thought our state was going to do and um, how our state was going to respond to things. And I tried to understand how the team was responding to things. And I tried to add some certainty. And I said, hey, listen, we are on this date, we are going to have a party. And there's no agenda to the party. It's just adults going to be able to be with adults. And we're going to play games. And we're going to have fun. And we're going to engage with each other uh, socially and, and, and not. And you can come as you are. Um, and uh, also tried to involve some of the other local businesses that are in our complex. There's a karate studio. And they were struggling and didn't have any business. So we, we paid for the, the kids to be there. So you could come drop your kids off and then you as an adult could hang out and be at, be at this party. So adding some certainty or something for them to look forward to was, was really important. And it all started with just listening and caring about them. You know, it was, it was only those two things that it took. And um, you know, the, those intentions are great, but uh, following it up with intentional actions uh, was a big deal. The best intentions require intentional actions. And that's, those are some examples of what we did to help our team really flourish uh, during this uh, stay home period. I love the creativity uh, in some of those ideas. I mean, that, that's so much fun and it's nice. Anything's nice. Any acknowledgement of the strain, the, the extra anxiety and stress and the good work that people are doing, that's always appreciated. But I love, you know, how you tailored um, that acknowledgement uh, in very specific ways, depending on the, the the, the shifting circumstances and that you didn't just rely on money that you didn't just rely on sending someone a gift card or a gift certificate um, or a bonus. Um, you, you probably do those things too, but you know, but, but doing something like a slip and slide or projector, I mean, how cool is that? And that's something that the, the uh, families will remember, not just the employee. Uh, everyone will remember that and appreciate that. And that drives greater, um, greater loyalty long-term from your employees. Oh yeah. One of the worst things that you can have is employees coming to work with burdens. If they are walking out of the house and their kids and their spouse are not supporting their employment, that's going to be tough. The employees won't want to be at that place of employment. The, the, it won't be sustainable. Um, so if you genuinely care for um, not just the employee, but, but the employee's family, then when that employee leaves the house to come into work, they get supported. Um, now their kids, their spouse have pride about their mom or dad and have pride about where their mom and dad works. And that changes a lot. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, it, there again, more statistics and studies that, that are out there that talk about 
employees that are able to say, my boss genuinely cares about me, they perform at higher levels. Literally, their performance increases. Um, and our company purpose, our unified purpose at, at, at stewardship is to love people through finances. Um, and if I'm going to say, hey, we're going to love people, well, I got to love them, right? Because that sounds ambiguous. But when I give specific examples of me acting out in that love to my team, uh, then they know exactly how they're supposed to be treating uh, our clients. There's no checklist of do this and don't do that. It's creatively, as you mentioned, um, listening to our customers and doing everything we can to meet their needs uh, and genuinely show that we care for them and we love them. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.